everybody, and welcome back to the 7Dev Podcast. My name is Christian Freeman, and I'm your host. This is episode 10 of the podcast. I can't believe we're already on the 10th episode. And to celebrate, I have uh, kind of upgraded my setup, and you can see that if you're on YouTube, this is now in video format. So you're here with me in my filming studio, which I just kind of uh, outfitted with some sound panels and all kinds of other stuff, as you can see in the background. Um, and for people on the podcast audio only version of this, it should be, well, exactly the same. So thanks again for listening. Hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the purpose of documentation. Uh, this is a topic that's really near and dear to my heart over the last four and a half years or so. I've been working as a developer advocate at a company called Cloudflare, and I've spent a lot of time writing documentation. And so in this episode, we'll take a look at everything you need to know to be a better technical writer and uh, and write good tutorials, good documentation for your code. And I would say that in general, writing is a skill that is super underrated uh, for developers. And that's something that I think all of us could get better at. And in this episode, I'll hopefully give you some tips and sort of demystify the process. And uh, I think even if you're not someone who writes documentation, uh, you know, all the time, it's something that you'll find really useful, hopefully. So let's jump into it. So the first thing that we should cover is why does documentation even matter? I know it's not the most exciting topic, but I think it actually has a ton of value in teams that are trying to move quickly or move efficiently uh, and particularly move safely. Uh, good documentation is kind of in two different formats. So one, there's what we would call, I guess, internal documentation. And those are the things that you as a team member need to know about the project you're working on, the team you're working with, and, and all that kind of stuff. And then there's also external documentation. So if you're shipping a developer SDK, or you have a new consumer facing product, and you just need to kind of explain how things work, all this stuff can be uh, really important in helping someone understand what is the thing that you're working on day to day. You know, it's easy to spend 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year working on a product, but if you can't explain what it does and can't do it in a way that helps people kind of get up and running, whether that's with working on it or using it, you're going to have a tough time. And so documentation really matters in both those perspectives. We'll cover the internal stuff first because I think it is um, kind of easier to talk about and it's not as complicated as external documentation, which can take a ton of different formats. Um, but both of them are super important. And depending on where you work, um, you may encounter a company or a team that's really good at internal and external documentation. You may have a team that's good at one but not the other. Um, it really depends. And, uh, and a lot of it comes from the top down. It's sort of um, company-wide belief on like how these things should be done as um, a really great way to make sure that uh, the quality is there um, because it can easily just be one person that really cares about documentation but if the rest of the team does not well then you're gonna have a tough time so in the case of internal documentation um, the way that I've always approached this is in kind of varying sort of levels of importance so first the thing you need to understand is let's say that I'm a new teammate, right? I've just joined the front-end development team and I'm getting up and running with, uh, with the, whatever code base I'm working with. I think the most important things for internal documentation are sort of in order, uh, one, team processes. So this is things like, how do we do code review? Um, what kind of 
external uh, stakeholders are are we working with and say you know in a front-end development team you might look at things like uh, what are the back-end APIs or back-end services that we work with what are the things that we depend on uh, how does our project get deployed you know does it have some sort of CI process where could I go and look at that um, and what are all the sort of logins that I might need in order to access that stuff um, that is kind of I think what you'll see in a lot of places as sort of that like week one document which is uh, when you're joining a team what is all the information you need to know to be successful in week one um, as you move into like month one or maybe one month one through three that's where you get into like code review and um, sort of how do we write code here what is our sort of style guide and things like that um, and all of that stuff is of course super important um, the other thing that I think is really important though is having a paper trail or um, sort of write-ups of decisions that you've made as a team. Uh, let's just kind of come up with an example. Uh, let's say that a team had built a front-end application. It was all written in jQuery, right? So it was like just HTML and CSS and then just hundreds of lines of jQuery kind of manipulating the DOM. Um, they may have made a decision to migrate that to, say, React or, uh, or Vue or something like that. And so having write-ups of those sorts of decisions um, where it's sort of a technical document of, you know, here's how things were before and here's how things are now in this new world, or say if you're working on it, here's what things will be in this new world is really useful, uh, particularly for helping team teammates understand both how the team kind of thinks and, and how they make decisions, but also if something goes wrong or, you know, two years from now, the team looks back and says, uh, well, wow, that was a dumb decision that we made to move from jQuery. Um, you know, being able to go back and look, well, why did we make those decisions? How can we make those decisions better in the future um, is really important. So you can always, uh, you know, go back and change decisions for the most part, but you can't go back and sort of get into the context of why you were making that decision. And that's where the writing really comes in handy because uh, you can't make that up, right? You, I mean, you can try, but you're not going to be able to get uh, back into that exact position three years ago where the, the sort of context of day-to-day -day work was like, okay, I need, we really need to move to React off of jQuery because we're having, you know, these three problems that stuff is really useful. So that's kind of my very quick, and, and again, like internal documentation, uh, like I said, it's it's pretty straightforward. I think there's a lot, like I know Amazon, for instance, has a lot of stuff in their uh, company culture about why they do a lot of writing. And, and a lot of that isn't actually very technically focused. Um, but I, I think this is a very well covered uh, thing for people. Um, in the in the sort of programming and tech world so i'm going to switch gears and focus on what i think is more interesting at least to me as i said at the beginning of the episode as a developer advocate which is external documentation uh, and all of its different formats so external documentation is this idea and, and in this sort of section I'll, I'll focus on developer facing products just to make it a little bit more clear um, but it's this idea that uh, you know you're building a developer facing product let's say for instance I have a, uh, a SaaS product that allows you to um, send emails right so I have this product I'm building and it's this thing that teaches you or it's this thing that allows you to send emails to your customers it's this developer uh, SDK and API external documentation is really important um, you can have the best written API you know in terms of the conventions of how to use it or say the SDK you, know, you think of like the early stripe um, SDK it was super easy to use uh, just a couple lines of code you could make money on the internet right 
less than 10 lines of code. That's, it's awesome. But uh, you may still have the problem uh, where people don't know how to use your, your API, your SDK. Um, they may try and do things or may not be familiar with the coding uh, sort of style guide of the way this is written. And this is where documentation really comes in handy. Now, documentation, in my mind, uh, includes things like tutorials and stuff like that. And, and some people may feel differently about that. Um, I don't include things like blog posts in that. So if you're doing some sort of marketing for your, your email API or email SaaS and you're writing blog posts and things like that, that's great. Um, but it's not kind of in, at least in my mind, in the context of what I'm talking about. Things like tutorials, reference documentation, um, example uh, code syntax, uh, code snippets, and things like that, all included in what I call external documentation. One thing that's really influenced me a lot here that I will put in the uh, show notes is this documentation system from a company called Divio. Uh, they kind of refer to it as the grand unified theory of documentation on their website. And I really, uh, in particular, my work at Cloudflare and a lot of people there when we work on documentation have used this format as a sort of high level to think about how to organize external documentation. It doesn't mean you should follow it exactly, but I think it's super useful if you have you know, no idea where to start. Uh, it's a really useful way to have something that you can sort of get started with. And there's this idea that there's sort of four quadrants. Um, I'll put it up on the video version here so you can see it. Um, there's this idea of tutorials, um, which is in this sort of um, practical and useful when you're studying uh, sort of area. There's how-to guides, which is still practical, but more focused on when we're working. So, you know, one is sort of I'm learning, I'm studying. The other section is like I'm actually working, I'm trying to do stuff. Um, explanation um, is this in this idea of uh, like when we're studying and when we're looking for more theoretical knowledge as opposed to practical and then reference is the final section which is most useful uh, when we're working and dealing in the theoretical and so that's sort of this and again you can go check out the video version of this podcast if you want to see the the sort of matrix here that they've set up um, but I find this really useful because uh, I would say generally things fall into one of those four categories um, and really the part about it that I like the most is dealing in well is this useful for when we're studying or is this useful for when we're working and is it practical or is it theoretical and having those sort of quadrants that you can lay things out I think is super useful um, because you may find that sort of naturally whether it's your product or whether it's your team or whether it's the people that are working on this documentation, you may find that you guys are really strong in one of these quadrants, right? We're very good at dealing with, say, sort of practical um, and when we're working. We're good at writing how-to guides. We're really good at saying like, hey, you know, we, we built this product for developers to use. Uh, we really want to show people like, here's how you'd integrate it with React. So we're going with this email API. Uh, here's how you integrate it with React. Here's how you integrate with Node. We're very practically minded, and so we're good at, uh, at, at sort of writing that stuff naturally. But the flip side of that is we're not very good at thinking about it in the theoretical. We're not very good about covering it like what happens when you're studying as opposed to when you're working. And so that stuff, the explanation side of it, which is like, how does this API work? What are the sort of security constraints that might come up? Things like that. Um, you may find that naturally uh, you sort of have a deficit in that side of the documentation. Like I said, I don't think that this uh, system needs to be 
applied to everything. It doesn't need to be the sort of prescriptive way that you deal with documentation, but it is super useful in both auditing your existing documentation, um, or if you don't have any documentation at all, knowing where to begin. And so I think that this system is really great. Again, I'll put it in the show notes and, and you can check that out. I found it super useful in sort of understanding how to deal with documentation and, and how to get started. Now, I want to tell you about a couple examples of sort of real world uh, documentation um, in my context as a developer advocate, where I spend a lot of time writing documentation, just sort of some stories and some anecdotes about how good documentation can make things better. Um, we launched a feature or a, sort of a new product at Cloudflare um, that had basically a ton of reference architecture. We had a team that was really good at writing uh, this sort of low-level, like theoretical studying stuff, right? Here's what this uh, what this thing does. Here's how it works at a really low level. Like this is why it's interesting and this is why it's different than other stuff that exists out there in the ecosystem or sort of in the, in the marketplace, right? Um, but again, kind of going back to the idea of like, where's your team naturally good at this sort of stuff? Um, what that meant is that it launched with uh, no practical uh, kind of get your hands in, get dirty with it and kind of understand uh, how to get started with it, right? This tutorial section, which is sort of studying and practical. Um, and so as a developer advocate, what I did was take that um, sort of theoretical stuff, that uh, explanation section of it, and convert that and use it as sort of a, a foundation for a tutorial, which is more practical studying, right? I'm going to walk through this. Uh, I, I can read the, the sort of theoretical stuff and say, wow, this is really cool. This is really interesting. Uh, how do I actually build something with it? And so applying a sort of practical, here's an idea for something you could build with it. Here's how to do it was a really useful way of unlocking for a lot of people, myself included, who are maybe more uh, like I need to be working on stuff, right? I need to be uh, like hacking on it and actually writing code in order for my brain to understand it. I'm, I'm less of a of a reader and more of a coder, I guess, um, or, or just naturally, I don't find that theoretical stuff as like interesting as, as actually being able to work with it and, and see what it does in, in sort of my, uh, my toolkit, right? Uh, but being able to do that stuff uh, and write the tutorial for it was really useful. Now, the flip side of that is that, uh, you know, say for instance, uh, we launched a new product and all it has is how-to guides. We uh, had a product that was sort of the opposite of that that we, that we released um, that I spent a ton of time writing how-to guides for before it launched. Um, so we had probably a dozen how-to guides. Here's how to deploy this uh, framework. Here's how to take this static site generator and build uh, build stuff with our product using it. So there was like a dozen of these how-to guides. Um, and we launched with that. And for certain types of people, that was great because they really wanted to just get into it, kind of like how I am, right? Get started immediately working on it, deploy a React project, deploy Next.js project, all that stuff. Um, but then there was a lot of people who had existing projects already. Um, they had an existing React site and they were considering switching over to using our product. Um, because we didn't spend as much time thinking about the sort of theoretical studying side of it for this product where say someone has a React project that's been um, you know, being deployed with this other tool for three years. They know very intimately like all the details of how things need to get deployed, what constraints they ran into with this other provider, and what sort of things we would need to cover in order for it to be a switch that would be worth doing for them. 
being able to go and look at sort of explanation content, which would say, you know, here are some of the constraints that we have in version one. Here are some of the limitations. Here are some of the limits, the features that we have, you know, take environment variables, for instance, like, do we support that? What kind of uh, encryption do we have for it? Just an example off the top of my head. Um, having that stuff available, which we did not at launch, or at least not in it to the extent that people, uh, you know, needed it to, to be able to do that theoretical studying stuff um, was uh, not the best way to do it, right? Or at least it was something we can improve on in the future. Um, so I know I'm kind of looking at this through the lens of that documentation system that I mentioned. I personally think it's very useful. Um, but, uh, you know, these are some examples of situations where, uh, we did things well, or we sort of played to our strengths and, uh, and, and also found that, um, there was these natural sort of deficits of, of areas that we could have improved on. All right. So we're already kind of running out of time here. Um, I hope you found this episode interesting. I care a lot about documentation. I know we didn't kind of get into the how to write good documentation or how to do good technical writing. It was more about like how to structure documentation and think about it at a high level. Um, in the future, maybe I'll do, uh, though I'm, I'm certainly not an expert when it comes to technical writing, I would say I'm an okay writer. I'm not the best. Um, but if that's something that you are interested in, definitely let me know on Twitter. Um, and now I think since the last episode that I did of the seven dev podcast, we have a new section at links.seven.dev, which we'll link in the show notes here as well. Um, that will show you how to access all of our different social media stuff. I'll put a link to my Twitter in there. If you want to reach out to me and let me know, um, what sort of future episodes, whether that's technical writing or anything else that you would like to hear about, or if you have feedback about this episode, definitely let me know. Uh, if you aren't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure to go to podcast.7.dev. There's links there for subscribing in all of the podcast players. So I use Overcast. But there's also Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I think all kinds of other ones that I probably don't even know anything about. And then also make sure to check out uh, on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. We have daily or sort of daily-ish videos on programming, uh, new courses and things like that. And then finally, 7.dev is our blog where we write stuff, I don't know, a couple times a week on all kinds of programming topics. Um, we recently released a getting started guide with HTMX, which is uh, doing really well right now. A lot of people are reading that and finding it useful. So definitely check that out if you're interested. And uh, thanks so much for listening or watching if you're on the video version. Um, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks.